0: Welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of The Machine is a Message. I'm one of your hosts, Alan Smith. With me is the one and only.
1: Dr. Keenan. And it's <laughs> February 12th. And we're going to uh, do a link share uh, and discussion on the latest topics in AI, XR, web, future technologies, and where humans fit. This is like that
0: time in the afternoon where if you were getting surgery, you're most likely to have the. Dr. Screw you up. So this is as bad as this podcast is ever going to get as as we are as hosts. Uh, so if you can get through this one, you're going to love the rest of our episodes. This is this is, this is the rough one. The roughest it's ever going to get. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the stuff that uh, we found this week in the last last couple of weeks. Bunch of links, maybe a couple minutes each um, in terms of what's going on. I've got a big coffee. Are you drinking coffee this this late in
1: the afternoon? I just down to coffee. Yeah. I'd
0: yeah. love to see it. Love to see it. All right. Let's get started. The one person, billion dollar company Pat. This is your link. What's going on here?
1: Um, okay. So that one, I have to kind of refresh my memory, but I think the the real point here is that, uh, you know, there's never been a time, this is the theme of the number of the links I'm going to be sharing is there's never been a time where people are more leveraged, especially people who kind of know what they're doing um with ai uh this was you know this was a remark i think yeah by sam altman and uh the point is like the internet you know the surprising thing about the internet was what types of businesses succeeded and it's like one of those cases where it's all these young people in school uh, are making these businesses with three people maybe five people maybe 20 people um and the argument here is that ai enables one person by themselves to make an outsized gain um, in terms of a business. Uh, Yeah. And so, so what does that mean for the rest of us? I think is one question, but also like, what are those tools that they're using to, to make these kinds of businesses? Is it that they're able to spin up different disciplines? Like they can do, I don't know, their HR, their marketing, their design, their engineering, all um, with the same tool. Uh, and uh, yeah, what does that mean for the rest of our jobs uh, as. More and more people could take on more and more roles. Uh, probably less and less people uh, are needed. So.
0: Well, for context, look, this is great. They share kind of like a chart here with. The number of people previously required, so let's look at some of these different jobs here. We've got well tower. Um, that's a real estate business need about 97 people uh, to get to a uh, billion dollars in revenue. Host hotels and resorts. Also a realist. This looks like a real estate conglomerate, probably like a roll up. Um, we've got an energy company. These guys are just pulling energy out of the ground. Another real estate, real estate, real estate, financial company, Everest RE Group. I don't know these guys. I've never heard of any of these companies. And these are literally the most employee-to-revenue-efficient revenue companies on Earth, right? Uh, Pioneer Natural Resources pulling money out of the ground, or it's a roll-up. Um, Phillips 66, hmm. interesting, Devon Energy and Diamondback Energy. Diamondback Energy, I've never heard of those guys. Yeah, so these are huge compared to what we're thinking about in terms of the, the amount of people required to get to a billion dollars and the tools that they might use. I wonder if those businesses are as efficient as they could be, or if you could get even more efficient, even within those industries. I think that when someone writes an article like this, they're talking about new space, like it's not going to be another real estate company or it's not going to be another energy company. It's going to be something that's more knowledge work driven. um, Right. Is that is that your assumption?
1: Yeah, I think the the public market data that he's posting here is actually existing businesses where the majority of the work that is being done is being done by external contractors. And so he's kind of testing this notion that, um, Sam Altman is putting forward is like, you you know, as few people as possible, um, can make this giant business. And the case is today, well, the way that they're doing is that by using external contractors, and then he's kind of like putting it well, Mm -hmm. if the tool get to a place where we can do this, what does it look like? Right. Where it's
0: really one person and a bunch of AI doing the work like that thought experiment of, could we get there? Okay, here, let me share a link then, because this is kind of related. This is, so I'm going to share with you this agent database. So I found this agent database. What kind of tools might they use? Let's answer that with uh, with this list. So this is done by staff.ai and agentops.ai. Um, a few Twitter handles to follow here. Now, if you look through here, this is a bunch of agents. Uh some of these they've made. Some of them are you know, just others. Um, and you can see the categories here. So we've got analytics, we've got assistance, we've got um what's this, business intelligence, we've got chatbots, we've got coding, uh DIY build it yourself. That means it's an agent that is flexible, right? um like you create your own automations teach it how to, to do stuff general purpose so that'd be like you know google bard or whatever um which is no longer bard probably something to talk about later uh, in this podcast hr marketing marketplace productivity research sales science general assistance again coding um, and i think those are pretty much all the categories that they've got there and interestingly which ones are open source and which ones are closed source uh, in terms of their development. So I'm just going to like click a couple at random. So let's just check out. heymoon.ai. personal assistant for your life. So you can stay on top of your calendar. Uh, this is one where you take a lot of screenshots. I think be a moon, not doesn't look like it actually, actually exists yet. Conceived in Chicago, designed in California, built in Sri Lanka. <laughs> okay. Um, GPT engineer what do we got here oh this is uh this is an open source so we're actually just looking at the the github grit what do we got fixed technical debt another coding bot secure software development with AI agents yeah that's pretty this is a big one a lot of coding stuff let's look at a DIY one agent ops AI agents suck. We're fixing that. (laughs) So, this is how to build virtual employees with observability, evals, and replay analytics. Uh, No more black boxes and prompt guessing. Mm,
1: Interesting. So, I mean, you can see through these uh, offerings that there is a sprint, a race on uh, to be a company uh, that takes kind of, it's kind of winner takes all. Like, you can imagine this spreadsheet for, social networks back in like the 2000s you can imagine it for like websites or back in the uh 90s uh and so there's a sprint on here for who's going to be able to demonstrate that these agents are worth as much as hiring a person I think if you can get that uh capability then it becomes clear like okay cool like I can spin up a bunch of people uh and get them to work for me uh, the fact that the spreadsheet is that big means it's like nobody's hit on it yet. And I think, you know, this, this, um, napkin sketch of a billion dollar company is that's really what this guy is saying is there is, um, it's not clear yet. Certainly nobody has made a billion dollar company with AI by themselves. And there's like a certain threshold, like he's saying 10 million that you get to where it's like, actually you need to add actual, a bunch of physical people to this for all the infrastructure that you're going to need to build out and so for him he's reflecting on is that a problem for him as like a author and what he concludes is like actually there's a value of trust i'm offering here that you can't just um you can't just ai away uh you know and then i i guess what i would think is like well what does it take uh to trust the source of an ai more than you would trust a trusted blog that you subscribe to. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. No, there's, look, if you've, if you've ever been a manager um, or an entrepreneur, you know that your whole job is people problems, right? This is, you know, take the analogy of self-driving cars. We talk about all the time. Is there a world in which the number of accidents per kilometer driven is less than, you know, with humans, and we still don't quite trust it, right? Yeah, that's, that's like, I feel like we're pretty close to that right now. Um, and, of course, there's problems with, like, AI drivers and human drivers on the road at the same time. But I think there's this, like, you know, cultural lag where even if it was as good or better, there would still be a gap where we were unwilling to, you know, trust AI to do the work. Um, and there's a second topic here that I think is kind of interesting. I don't know if you've thought about it this recently, you know, the maker schedule, manager schedule, Paul Graham article, that's sort of like classic thing. Well, at what point if you were just managing, like there's still a decent amount of editing that needs to be done at this point anyway, and at least into the foreseeable future, um, and sort of like, you know, checking, you know, AI's work at what point do you get to the point where you just don't even have to check and you're providing guidance? Is there the same thing possible where you can be a manager of AIs without actually being a creator? And right now, a lot of the tools are designed as, you know, a creator's assistance uh, in a way. And I wonder about that gap between, is this a tool that you could just manage and it goes out and does its own work, which is less of a tool and more of an agent, um, or is there always gonna be that gap where there always needs to be a certain percentage of people to AIs? Like and that ratio is gonna get closer and closer, but then we hit a limit. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Um I think the question is like, yeah, do we do we always need the editor? Um, how many editors do we need? So there's that that conversation. I think for now, for sure, we need an editor. And I think there's just concepts that we don't that AIs don't understand. Like I was just trying to put in like doing like a storyboard, I was trying to do like guy looking at a watch. And like, literally like, no matter what words I put in there, it's like a guy kind of like looking in the direction of the floor and like watch, like there's a giant clock on the wall. It's like looking at the, it's like, there's, I think I, what I figured out in this particular model, it was like just missing the concept of what it is to look at your watch. And I think that that will just happen in like more and more niche granular ways. So there's like just it's not doing what it's expected to do. Um and then I think the other pieces uh and, and this is a particular one for like mid-journey, like as good as it gets, or like uh runway, where it's like generating video. Um I went to this talk over the weekend, which I'll link in the notes. It was like U of T Cognitive Science and Artificial Intelligence Student Association, and they had a, t- a talk around horror movies. Like why do we watch horror movies? What do we like? about getting scared Um, and he's coming from very much a a model of the mind which isn't about like the realities out there and it comes through my eyes and then it goes into my circuits and I understand what's going on. Uh, The modern conception of the mind is it's a prediction machine and then I have a model in my mind and then I use the stimulus not to see what's going on in the world but to test it against my prediction throw the ball, and like expect it to land in a certain place. If it doesn't, I have to re-correct my model. But primarily, the beginning of perception starts in in your mind. And so you are truly running a simulation of the world. And all we're doing as as thinking beings is moving around the world, trying to improve our prediction machine. Uh, And so if you sit at home doing the same thing all day, eat the same food, talk to the same people about the same things, you are not improving your prediction machine. You are simply uh, at the same level, but where do we go to improve the quality of our predictions? Well, do we like go to the things we know? Do we go to like radically the things that we don't know, like an entirely different country where we don't speak language? No, we go on the perimeter of the known. So we go on like the perimeter of our, our known space and we kind of push out and test the waters. And so his argument is that that's what kind of horror movies are, is it's less us kind of like putting ourselves in an uncertain situation. So we seek uncertainty in order to validate our prediction machine. When our predictions are um, outsized in their accuracy, like their predictions are very accurate, we actually get a boost. So we might get a boost of like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. The biochemical is still under study. But basically we get a reward when our predictions are overly correct. And so that's why we seek out the unknown. It's why we go to gambling, uh, casinos and the machine. And when the slots hit, we get a reward because our prediction was um, outsized in its accuracy. So anyway, where, where does that leave us with um, you know, going back? Will we, will we need editors? You know what is our role in managing these AIs? I actually do think that AIs are um, averaging machines. So they're kind of like looking across all the known world of like averages things, and it's kind of like averaging across like and making really beautiful art, but art that you've kind of seen before. And so I do think like as humans, the question is what? Why are we attracted to these things that aren't things that we've seen before? It's to tune our prediction machine, and I don't know if AI is gonna be really good at that, which I would like equate to taste, you know, like, does AI have taste? Will it actually push um, your perception in a way that allows you to bring something new to humanity? Um, I think it can, but I think that that's gonna be for a long time, an interesting piece that humans add, which is uh, the unexpected. How can humans bring the unexpected there?
0: I I love that, you know, I love that take that we're interested in novelty because it has inherent value to you know us in navigating the world every time you learn something new, you can predict it next time that thing comes around, so we're attracted to the new right that this this you know seeking out something like you don't even have to say horror movies right you just say you know something else um like anything new really right uh sort of fits into that. It's like, that's why we think jokes are funny, right? Because the, there's the punchline and that's that's literally why it's called a punchline is because you don't see it coming like a punch, right? Um, there's this, something really, really cool about that. I love that idea of novelty. How about this? Let's think about it like this. If we're talking about AI as if it's really like one thing, but think about two thing, two AIs doing the same job. So let's say we have Dali and we have MidJourney. And I've been using like a couple of websites Uh, to just get prompts for some stuff we're trying to to create for pitch decks, right? Like we've got different products. We're trying to create storyboards to show, you know, how it might look like moving through that product. I take the same prompt and give it to two different AIs and I get different responses. Like they both have a sense of what that is, but they have different responses, right? Um, What they give back is not the same. It's not the same in quality. It's not the same in like almost like the taste it's like who made it it's like who's singing it's like their voice is different you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um there's something very different about the way dolly makes an image and the way that midjourney makes an image even when i ask it to make exactly the same image and Mm -hmm. if i was using different words could i get it to make the same thing maybe like i kind of think no it would like it it's it's pretty tough to do it's pretty tough to get what you're looking for anyway um Mm -hmm. and so as much as we're talking about like this idea of taste, there's something really interesting emerging, which is voice. And uh, that brings us to, you know, one of our other links uh, for today, which is recently we have uh, Google Gemini, Google Gemini advanced. Did you see this?
1: I did. I signed up for it. Two months it's, for free.
0: Oh, I want two months for free. So here, Ethan Mollick doing great work as always. If you don't follow Ethan, um, give him a follow. Uh, his newsletter is also great. And so here he's saying tasting notes and implications. And you say tasting notes, you mean testing notes? He's like, no, tasting. Um, they have this sort of like really different, you know, style to them. You know, for example, on one side, this is how um, Gemini Advanced would Come up with a new sneaker brand based on trends. This is how ChatGPT would come up with a new sneaker brand based on trends, right? These are very different looking products. Exactly the same thing. Go out, figure out, you know, what are look up the latest trends on sneakers, come up with one idea for a new on-trend shoe, and show me a photo shoot of of the one of the one that you make. Show me a photo shoot of it that you make. Uh, you can make images. (laughs) It's just a reminder that you can make images. Um, Interesting. So again, that sense of taste, right, is almost baked in um, to the uh, models themselves. And he talks a lot about personality and how he has to ask them for different things at different points in time. Um, Have you noticed this as you've been using them, the feeling of, a voice almost like you're talking to someone different. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm working with two different product managers and they have different styles or I'm working with, you know, two different designers and they just have a different way of approaching things and a different, you know, design style.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. And I've been purposely using different services. So ChatGPT, um, llama uh, and, uh, Google Gemini and, uh, yeah what have you? and just to see like what the differences are in the journey, uh, I think that uh, another thing to know about the default prompt uh, is a lot of these services are actually using the service itself to prompt and kind of like sway the default response for people who are not really gonna put a big prompt in the in the top. And I think if you just google um, default prompt open AI it'll show you a screenshot because this was a conversation last week about how large the default prompt is for chat gpt very long and there's like seemingly absurd things in there but it's been done through testing like uh that you want to say these paragraphs and paragraphs like you know always respond with steps and like do not ever like kind of I don't know, challenge the user. <laughs> I don't know right. what it specifically says, but you can choose the prompt. Um, and so I think that part of it is the model, which is the training set. Like, was it trained on websites and books and like which websites? Part of it is that default prompt they're giving to you. Um, and uh, yeah, part of it is how you how you use it. What do you add in the prompt? Um, what do, how do you reply and refine it? Uh, but I've definitely seen the, the difference between the different tasting notes, let's say.
0: I've been thinking about this a lot recently as far as it feels like a moment in time with this whole idea of like prompting and quote unquote prompt engineering, um, you know, that even we were, you know, sort of pumping up, you know, three, four months ago um, that I wonder how much that's going to matter, you know, in the very near future, like if that's even going to be a thing anymore, like, you know, how much like engineering is really done in the prompt. I mean, You know, on on one side, I'm like, I just see rough instructions being able to be better and better understood in terms of it just being able to figure out, like, what is your intent? Mm -hmm. And I see very specific, very heavy prompts for very specific, very niche tasks. Um, Here, give you an example. Um, So... Those in the marketing world would be familiar with, uh, and business world, um, uh, Alex Formosi and the $100 million offers and $100 million leads uh, books. He gives these essentially their protocols, right? It's like, this is how you do this. It's, it's, you know, like a consulting framework uh, in a way. And so these guys went in, they made this YouTube video where, and this thing where they put together okay this is what you do you start here fill out the content brief then copy and paste section one into chat gpt run the workflow move on to section two uh, and repeat so here's an example of one then you go in here and you say okay well start here what are you working uh, side hustle is a board game designed to make you uh, make your sides hurt with laughter while sparking your entrepreneurial creativity dive into a riot with uh, fun with 240 cards, one die, four whiteboards, dry erase markers, blah, 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 some ideas for this game that they're trying to make. Then you fill out specific things like who is it for, what's the gameplay like, um, what are the pain points, what platforms is it gonna sell through, how much is it gonna cost, et cetera. And then it'll take these raw ingredients and turn it, so here's all the instructions to ChatGPT in terms of how it works. Um, I won't you know, bother reading all these out, but this is basically what you're doing is you're taking these raw ingredients, which aren't a very enticing value proposition. And you're kind of baking them up and uh, putting putting sales language and packaging around them to make them, quote unquote, irresistible. Um, this is the idea. And then figure out, OK, well, how are we going to find the people who want this afterwards and then build a whole leads machine uh, you know, for that as well? And so this is this is heavy, right? Like, this is like, you know, pages and pages of prompting uh, to be able to get that very specific uh, result, right? Um, and so this feels like it's just going to become a GPT real quick, right? And it would just ask you the questions, you know, one by one, you know, as you need them. Um, and I also think about just, like, how hard is it to just give one other person instructions on how to do something? And I guess it depends on how much they know how to do that thing versus how much, you know, how to do.
1: It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do get the, I do like, when I read through that, I'm like, oh yeah, you would, if you were managing somebody, you would have to go through this with them over several weeks and they would do something and they would come back and you kind of like, well, we kind of need this. And you would discover things too. They'd be like, oh, I found this. Oh, interesting. Maybe we should change the, the market we're going after. Yes. So, I mean, that's the argument around like, do we need one big model? Or do we need many different models trained on different types, uh, different sets of information? Um, and then like, are these tools about superpowering uh, the person who's taking that brief or are they about like replacing the marketing person um, who's doing that brief? I think for the near term that I can see, you're, you're not replacing people. You're really just giving them tools to, to allow them to iterate faster and come up with more grounded ideas that are based on like, internet um, but I could certainly see in the future like I mean who would have known that you know 10 years ago you could go to a website and say create a website that's like for my shoe company and oh, upload yeah. a photo like that would have been a team of people working for like a year to to do that so that's inevitable we will get more efficient yeah
0: there's so many great um, the, the examples of that are great um you know I'll pull on up in a minute but Okay. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's say I have, you know, my, my time is pretty much taken up like completely already, you know, at work. I don't have a lot more hours in my day and, uh, I want to do some SEO and I also have no budget for SEO. And so someone on my team who doesn't have SEO knowledge now needs to use some sort of AI to do the best version of SEO. This is like down market, right? Like, let's say you couldn't even afford an agency to do it for you, which is You know agency is like literally like the closest thing to an to this is like the predecessor to an agent right where it's like could you just go do this uh, for me i give you the ingredients and the agency goes and does it this gap between a non-expert trying to do a semi-expert task where the agent has the knowledge I feel like there's a lot of that. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a huge need for that today, where it's like, I don't know how to do this. Can someone help me do it? Um, We don't have this person on our team. Can I get this person on my team, but not a person?
1: Yeah, and just to have uh, a quick crack at, like, all the things that you don't know. So, like, that's what you're going to see when you're like, hey, like, hey, ChatGB, how do I develop a multi-unit building? It's like, well, you know, you're in for something. Like, here's the different trades that you're going to have to involve. And like, here's the planning process and the fact that you can have a conversation like, well, how long will that take? And like, do I really need this kind of person? Yeah, you do. Because what need. so to have a conversation with someone who knows the subject matter enough to tell you who to hire is, is in itself like a really valuable thing. Like I think a lot of mm. an MBA is sort of like, hey, here are the general um, professions you're going to need to run a business. Uh, and just know that you can't do it, all of these things alone. Um, and so just having that kind of quick access to the, the world of kind of known unknowns to build up your known unknowns, uh, I think is, is going to be really, really helpful. And like, if that connected you with those professionals, it's like, Hey, you need these things, talk to these people. Um, that feels like a business for sure. That,
0: that situational awareness, um is pretty powerful and this is is something i see a lot in terms of the time it takes to get up to speed in a new space and then Mm -hmm. you know can you can you just speed that up right can can you speed that up so that now you can manage this process of going in and executing this thing in this space but not actually do the execution yourself that's what we're talking about with if, if we're using this frame as the one person doing the billion dollar company um one thing i would add to that you know that sort of good to great, you know, the flywheel, uh, uh, concept, right. Which is in the early days of a business, you're like, there's this big flywheel and you're pushing on the flywheel. And sometimes you don't get it spinning. In which case it's really just a person doing the work. There's no, um, energy that's been put into the business that will continue to sort of turn once the people, you know, basically stop working for the night. Right. Um, I can imagine Easier than someone creating a billion dollar business, you know, from scratch uh, using AI is maybe having like, you know, a small number of people and then replacing a bunch of them with AI um, to keep the flywheel turning rather than getting it started, you know, in the early days. Which one seems more likely to you?
1: That's interesting. So you would kind of. Perhaps the future of business is that you bootstrap it with humans and you operate it with AI. That's an interesting concept.
0: Uh, maybe. I can in my head I can kind of see it happening. At the same time I can come up with arguments for why it would be the other way around. Because it's so much cheaper to use AI in the early stages, you know, all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. But the thing that AI is not gonna do very well is it's just not gonna be like self reflective. So I I mean, a team of five humans is like so much, infinitely better than a team of five AIs. It's also more fun, and I think there is another dimension of the one-person billion-dollar companies, like how lonely,
0: <laughs> like
1: doing that all alone. Like, who would you share it with? And so there is like a team nature to who human beings are. Um, but I like the notion of bootstrapping with humans because, like, you can have a team of five, and then you guys can like build a business and AIify it, and then move on to the next one. Like, why not do that? Um, Then you do five businesses. Yep.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a venture studio to me. Um, Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, this is interesting. So, on this topic of like getting things up and running and who would need to leave the company first, let's take a look at this. Let's get on Kaggle. This is uh, us doing some like, you know, hanging out in a more technical place for once. So, this is the a I job threat index. Okay. So the big idea here was, um, whoever made this, who did this one, tensor boy, uh, so it's six months old. I think it's actually a little bit older than that. Uh, but essentially the idea was if you looked at a bunch of job analytics platforms, you pulled out all of the tasks that were required to do each job. And then you said, does is this job aiable can ai do this task and then you add up the number of tasks per role based on that you can kind of get a score where you know it's it's 99 out of 100 that's not so great looks like ai is probably going to take that one real soon oh it's two out of 100 um you know we're talking like construction worker or something like that that is you know, at this point, we just don't have robots that are able to move their hands, you know, in that way. So it is at low threat uh based on today's technology. So they've got this uh you know kind of like list and this chart here. And what I love is very close to the top at 91% uh, is chief executive officer. What a curveball, yeah. right? That oh well, okay, it'll just be a bunch of CEOs and their robot armies running around. Hmm, maybe not. Maybe the company that is the most successful is the one that automates the decision-making and the strategic thinking, not just the you know lower level execution. Uh, kind of the same way we thought that AI was gonna do our taxes first, but it ended up doing our artwork.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's the least under threat? What's well,
0: the up, scroll, scroll way down here, see what we can get to. So about halfway down the list, Okay, we're at 60% supply coordinator, front desk agent, radio operator, manual QA tester, manual QA tester. Uh, let's keep going. What oh, further can we go here? There's a lot of jobs on this thing. There's like 10,000 jobs. Now, there's Denver, brother, Denver. There's we, we can't look at this as perfect um because Apparently the data uh, in it was a little bit flawed. If you go look at the data tables, they're theoretically pretty weak. Um, But I just like the concept of this.
1: It's a a nice exercise. Yeah, Yeah. as
0: an exercise, right? Um, So we're down at like the 30s. So these jobs aren't coming anytime soon. Aircraft mechanic, auto mechanic, auto technician, automotive mechanic, uh, telephone interviewer. Hmm? I don't know. feels like that's. Robocalls just got blocked. I don't know if you saw that. You're not allowed to use AI in a robocall anymore.
1: Oh yeah, I'm still getting calls from from the government telling me that they're going to revoke my social security number or whatever.
0: So you can robocall, but okay. if you use AI generated voices on there, so it could be a generated voice, but just okay. not AI generated voice, um, you can get in some big trouble theoretically in the U.S. So be careful everybody with your spamming technology. Uh, So there's so many, I can only get down to 25%. Parking attendance. That's all right. Okay, go figure, there you go.
1: Mm. See, what's interesting about those things is that they are kind of, given the current architecture of society, what is less or more under threat by the current level of AI? I think parking attendant is like, well, if all cars are autonomous, um, parking attendant certainly will go away because you will just automatically pay for things. So there is an uh, intentional, you know, lack of creativity in that list. Mm-hmm. Our artists would be replaced before our accountants by, um, by these kind of vector-based models. Um, yeah. So, so we'll see. Is the, is the long and the short? But I think <laughs> going back to, uh, the original point that we we're talking about is the billion-dollar company. What happens when it's like so few people making so much outsized profit? And you were saying, talking about like, well, is it, you know, imagine we had a world where autonomous cars were safer, you know, would we still be as upset? And I just want to send, uh, this is kind of a curveball. I don't know if you still have Discord open, but if you open the the latest link that I sent you, um, this is actually a study that shows that Waymo significantly outperforms uh, comparable human benchmarks, like significantly.
0: Um, I'm getting getting it open. That's crazy. Eight. Yeah. 85%.
1: I don't see your window.
0: Uh, No, I'm just working on pulling it up here. Let's see. Whoops. So 85%, what does that mean? So as a driver,
1: 80 reduction in injury causing crashes. So, you know, so yeah, what they look at is, uh, the amount of, uh, miles, rider only miles compared to human benchmarks. Um, so, rider only miles, I guess they have other miles that there's nobody in the car. Uh, 57% reduction in police reported crash rates. So, I mean, like somebody might look at this and be surprised, like, whoa, they're performing so well. But the story here is humans perform so poorly at driving. We are the worst type of being to put in charge of like a 100 kilometer machine. And so this is actually like so conservative. I don't know if you've ever seen a Waymo or like a self-driving car, but it's just going slow. It's obeying the traffic signs. And the other thing that they're not telling you is here, like any crashes it's in is because of driver error behind the Waymo. It's because they're going at the speed limit or they're stopping at the stop sign and people aren't expecting them to follow
0: the rule. So our prediction machine is so trained on bad driving that when there's an AI driving well, uh, we run into them.
1: It's good for us. <laughs> so this is all to say, they're performing so well. Now, if you open the other link that I sent you, just above that one, um, this is the latest thing. I think this happened uh, yesterday. And this is like humanity's response in SF to the fact that Waymo is way more safe uh, to drive. Oh,
0: yeah. this is, This is rough. This is... This is not our finest
1: hour guys,
0: not our finest hour. Whenever you see burning cars, um, yeah, you not love it. There's
1: nobody in the vehicle, thankfully. Um, but I think this is absolutely a microcosm for the, a one person billion dollar company, uh, like what is emotionally going on here? Well, there's this car that's driving people around. It's like not getting into as many accidents. It's part of the future. It's in you know? and um people stop in front of it You you go in front of it it stops for you and then they just destroy it um so we do have to be careful about like the social framing uh and the meaning behind uh these advances that are introduced by ai like what is the social reception of these things how do people see this as progress for everyone and not an accumu- accumulation of wealth um, in the hands of a few people mm. and the exploitation
0: of everyone else. Like, I don't think that that's what those things are. But if this is happening, there's, like, clearly a perception problem. Man, this, like, this reminds me, I don't know what the movie is, um, where there's, it's like, maybe it's an anime or something. But essentially, you know, humans are kind of, like, torturing a robot that's, not allowed to defend itself by you know fighting back against humanity, and it's just so tragic, right, like you see it, you're like this is wrong, like this is just so bad this I feel I'm like anthropomorphizing this car, thinking like this is sad that it's getting like beat up and like smashed up and then lit on fire by like you know these jerks, man um that's there's there's something so unsettling uh about this thing, man, oh jeez i all from this point of, Hey, this thing actually just works better. Like this is good. This is good for us uh, in general. Let's remember the overall numbers here about a million people a year killed in car accidents, 85% reduction in injury crashing. This isn't death rate, but let's just take that number to its extreme and assume it's that that's 850,000 people. That's like, a roughly you know major metropolitan area that's like downtown toronto or you know downtown la that's like new jersey you know like there's that's that's a lot of humans uh that something could save and it's like nah no thanks um rather die in fiery car wrecks uh than have uh, ai take this job
1: yeah yeah and it's more important than human life. And if there are things that are certainly like things that one should die for. I don't know that like people driving cars is is the one that I would pick. Um, <laughs> but we have, we have some things to get through, some issues to work through. So
0: wow. okay, let's get on to a couple more. Man, those those dark. That took a dark turn uh, there. I feel like <laughs> dirty inside about humanity right now. I'm not 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 feeling it. Um, boo boo humans. So getting back to employment and you know seems to be the thread here today. Uh we're on it. I I feel like we're this, this is all coming together. You can see how it's all connected. Uh you shared this uh post by Matt uh Matt Malonewig um from Automatic. What's he saying? What's the story here?
1: Yeah, so he's just talking about um well, he's talking about AI and he's talking about leveraged creators. So there's leveraged creators in content, you know, like Taylor Swift can move whole economies and elections, uh, by where she goes and what mm-hmm. she says, um, you know, like Joe Rogan is mentioned here. So that's in content. Um, there's never been a time where like such individuals have such reach. And that's true of engineers and, you know, technical creators mm-hmm. as well, um, and point here is like maybe there's not that much wrong with it. Maybe we actually just need to confront that we need less people to produce the same results. I think it's appropriate that you know what he's built is WordPress, which, you know, the WordPress is literally a symbol of the things that have become obsolete, like you know, printing mm. press or people who poured lead type um and typesetters. And now we have, you know, Microsoft Word. Uh, and the the same is true of like the newspapers that blogs have kind of obsoleted, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, just kind of saying, even now, you know, the people who make WordPress, the people who make the software that obsolest, you know, uh, some parts of the newspaper or journalism, uh, are now kind of um, you know, we don't need as many people doing that. And and he's kind of saying it's a good thing, but we got to figure out what our answer to that is. I think he's hinting at uh, universal basic income or mentions it in the um, Mm. the article. But there's also a piece of meaning in there. Like if my job is taken away, uh, what am I doing? I don't think that we should seek meaning in our jobs, but that's from somebody who finds much meaning in their job. So uh, there is like a societal reckoning on making place for people who maybe don't need to do the thing they were doing before.
0: Don't know what you've got until it's gone, right? <laughs> Meaning at work, and then you, and then it's gone. Yeah, it's uh that's that's an interesting one. Um, there's a lot to unpack in there. You know, UBI I think is a great topic for you know a later later article or, or a later podcast. There, there's a lot in there, man. Like you know, he's, he's covering a lot of ground from you know creators you know, having a lot of leverage, uh, these days, I also like that he calls out, you know, back to our billion dollar, uh, business, um, we don't need AI to see a very small teams being valued highly. Instagram had only 13 employees when it sold for a billion dollars to Facebook. And that was back in 2012. That's like, you know, a billion, billion dollars today, uh, based on inflation. Some quick, a quick math check. So a a quickly growing company, the idea of how to get to a hundred billion dollars, Um, or a hundred million dollars in revenue, which is like a company worth well more than a billion, um, worth more than a billion, not uh, actually earning a a billion in annual uh, revenue, um, is the speed at which this is being done is also faster, and the number of people required to do it is going down as well. So the general concept was Mm -hmm. once you have a business idea that has got a little bit of scale, And it's like, okay, this works. This is something people are interested in. We can see the flywheels turning. We need to pour a bunch of cash on it to push the flywheel faster so that it keeps speeding and speeding and speeding and speeding up, right? Um, this is called T2D3 is essentially a methodology for thinking about it, meaning that from first year, um, you need to triple twice and then double three times. And, you know, growth curves tend to flatten out over time. Um, so it needs to get there quick. Um, generally is somewhere between seven and 12 years. We haven't seen it a lot faster for companies other than, you know, OpenAI uh, very recently. But the speed at which companies get there is faster and faster and faster and faster. Uh, not just because the value of, like the nominal value of currency is going down. Um, so let's talk about like a, a kind of like inspiring, cool little uh, company with a really good looking product. Um, that may or may not be a billion-dollar business. I kind of doubt it, but it's it's just cool. Let's let's kind of like end on something cool here, man. AI uh, yeah. frame AI glasses from Brilliant Labs. Uh, let's well, talk about this one for a minute. What's going on here with the frame?
1: Yeah, so I saw the release of this. I was like, oh, this is awesome, and um, and then I joined their Discord. So what's cool about this is the little text there that says fully yep. open source. Uh, they are working in public. Uh, you can join the Discord. Uh, you can participate. Uh, they have these multimodal AI glasses and a testament to being able to put stuff together quickly. Um, it's amazing the speed that they're working at. This was, and I didn't realize this until I like looked into it deep, deeper. This was previously released uh, as a monocle and uh, i think it was a kickstarter or something like that and it was just basically like a little a little glass that you would like mm-hmm. through like this obviously they've learned on a, a different form factor which is glasses um there's some very interesting designs like the uh little bulbs at the end of the glasses as well as the charger i don't know if you can scroll to the yeah the yeah charger, the the charger's is not... hilarious
0: so is the the little bulbs at the back of the uh, uh ear pieces or like the the arms, I guess it's a glasses. I'm not a, a glasses designer, so no, those are bone conducting headphones.
1: Uh That's a good question. Yeah, the, I don't know. I mean, I imagine so. I imagine that's how they do, uh maybe not bone conducting, but just like open, open ear. Polished steel cover, um, battery. It looks like it's just the battery actually. That's the battery at yeah, the back, plus... but then the speakers might is there a speaker? It might be around the arm. Hmm. I don't know. This is
0: frame Next. a Reinvention Next. X. Yeah, okay. We've got different colors. Also, let's note, the styling is very extreme. We're talking about, like, this is kind of, like, uh, Italian gentleman from the Sartorialist, uh, really, like, or, like, new-age hipster YouTuber in New York. Like, definitely... Uh, a statement in terms of the perfectly circular frames. Steve Jobs kind of throwback uh, styling. And the Mr. Power is like a Mr. Potato Head vibe. Is that what's going on here? So, yeah. It's like a little charger that you can hook up to it uh, if you need a little bit of a charge midday. And that probably fits into an existing glasses case, uh, which is nice. Oh, there's the Discord hop on their discord uh, if you're interested peeps brilliant labs
1: yeah so it's like one of those like so i think the things that we've been looking at today are basically like services that are now like ai first and so these guys if i remember correctly wasn't really about ai it was about just like that there's a screen inside Mm -hmm. of this monocle and now they're to be like actually as an ai device and so we'll just see that more and more is that like Everything's going to be an AI device. It's like saying a device has Wi Fi. Yeah. And it's going to be like, oh, of course not. Why doesn't it have Wi Fi? That's going to happen in like a year or two. Um, but for now, everything's like, now an AI device. Whoa, what, how, what is that? How does it work? And we'll have to figure out new modes, new interaction models um, for what the expectations are. And then those expectations will be on everything. I'll expect to, for everything to like kind of be able to respond and I can reply to its answer. I think that's like a real breakthrough is that it can hold a model of our conversation and I can query it and say, actually more like this. Um,
0: there's something, so you. know, we've always wanted to just be able to talk to stuff, right? Like that there's something about just being able to talk to stuff um, that makes it all easier. And I'm wondering, um, how that's going to feel once we can do it all the time, you know, does it work? Theoretically, we've been able to talk to our iPhones, at least from like a speech to text, but you still see a lot of people using keyboards, right? Like there's a lot of people looking down with their thumbs going like this um, on an iPhone. Uh, There's a lot less people, there's a lot less chatter in a streetcar or even on a street corner with people talking to machines so far today. Let's see what happens when they can talk back and it's not just one way
1: yeah i uh I remember in a lecture with this guy mark Fetterman who's uh mcLuhan he, he you know was a teacher in mcLuhan uh studies media studies, and he was talking about t v and he said like we see t v as a broadcast format as like a non interactive broadcast format but you you don't have to go too many generations maybe like your parents or your grandparents. they would sit around the t v and they would yell at the t v they would like yell at like whoever's speaking or like cheer at the game. And there's a feeling of interactivity, and just because it's not responding directly to what you're saying doesn't mean it's not an interactive medium. I think another example is just prayer uh, is an interactive medium. Like, if you believe, you are truly having a conversation um, with the greater power that exists. And so perhaps it is more a return to our roots that we would have a conversation with the environment around us and the big differences uh, now can respond in voice to us. How
0: are you feeling? um, How are you feeling about this moment? Like what's changed like in the last month? Like, you know, we talk about this stuff pretty frequently and the zeitgeist changes like week to week, if not day to day in terms of the things that are coming out. How are you feeling right now? What's, what's, what's coming up for you when you think about the twists and turns uh, in the AI soap opera that have been thrown at us uh, over this, this last couple of
1: months? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about like last couple of months. I think one thing is um, AI is now heavily uh, invested in like it's adding value to companies that are doing AI. It's like, you know, if you're not doing AI, investors are moving to a different space. It's now the headline of every new product that you see, of every new device that you see is that it's got AI embedded in it. It's multimodal um, and uh, it still doesn't totally work. Like I use it all the time. I use all kinds of different AI and there's always like little, things I have to stitch together, like I have to spend as much time prompting as I would just like sketching something Mm. out myself. So it's not totally there yet, but the investments are happening. So my point is um, if we think that this was fast, it will only get faster. Like it's only going to get faster. It's not like people are pulling back from AI. It's that they're doubling down. As bad as Um, it's ever going to be. Right. It's like,
0: that's where we're at today. And as few people working on it, well, sorry, as few resources working on it as there ever will be. Who knows? There might be a lot more AIs working on AI uh, in the near future and less people.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it is, you know, going back to your point about like, you know, it's, uh, well, um, Molly point about like, it's, you know, Instagram was pre, pre-AI as we know it today. Uh, and it was highly leveraged. The conversation we're having is not about AI, particularly LLMs. It is about technology and the speed of technology and the outsized leverage that technology brings. And what I'm encouraged by is that we are now having a serious conversation about what does it mean for um, people, for meaning uh, in an age where like your job is not your meaning and you know what is what's the basic universal basic income perhaps on one side but also like what is your purpose like what is human purpose anyways like certainly it's not just a job it's not just you know the era of bullshit jobs and kind of making up jobs so that like elite people feel like they have some purpose but then they're stressed out and like why are you doing that and so hopefully mindfulness has some answers um and um I guess in the last month I've been encouraged by John Vervacki and his, uh, his lectures on the meaning crisis and just kind of what we can do with that, uh, left brain, right brain, uh, and perhaps there is some way to reframe what we are adding as humans uh, and the importance of, of humans in all of this stuff as we automate our future. It's
0: so interesting that at this moment, It gives us more and more reason to reflect on what it actually is to be human and like what is this this thing that we're doing here Mm -hmm. and i'm reminded of the Mm -hmm. quote um you know we're i don't i don't know if this came up on the podcast before but you know we're not human beings having a spiritual experience we're spiritual beings having a human experience and you know Mm -hmm. i wonder right now if AI, like if you were to inhabit the brain of an AI and be in there for a minute to just, if you could, if if consciousness means there's a feel, there's a way to explain what it's like to be that thing, it's tough to say what it's like to be a rock because there's no sensory input or output, but like a worm or a plant or whatever have, you know, a sort of response. And so maybe theoretically there's consciousness there if there is consciousness inside of the machine, what's it like to be in there right now? What is the, you know, prefrontal cortex, the, the talk track over top of like the layers and layers of different types of, of technology, the same way we have layers and layers inside of our own brain, going back down to that spark, you know, sort of at the bottom. um, I wonder what it's like to be in there. And I wonder if it's not, what's, what's the analogy here? It's not a, uh, technological being having a human experience it's a now it doesn't work because then it would be a human being having a technological experience well, I think it's
1: like spiritual being having a mechanical experience
0: yeah, so, like, or having a human done. experience yeah. of a technological experience because so much of it is built on our thinking and you know our culture so far it's like almost like three layers um you know stacked on top rather than just one
1: yeah yeah.
0: There's a YouTuber yeah, right now don't... doing an experiment uh where he's pretending that he's been laid off. So I don't know how he's doing that. It's basically like this is his new content stream. He's pretending he's been laid off uh from his job from AI and just what does he do every day now that that's the case? So he's like making calls to figure out who to, you know, go volunteer for. He's thinking about those projects that were on the shelf that uh he now has time to be able to do. He's writing a book, uh, like you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, his name's David Shapiro at Dave Shap. Uh, if you're interested in following uh, his experiment and the the loss of a job and the loss of you know what it meant uh, to, you know, express himself through his work and the opportunity to express himself in new ways uh, presents itself very quickly. If you need to express yourself, you're going to find a way. Mm-hmm
1: yes yes i i saw his video and uh yeah you mentioned him before he's like where's a star trek uniform <laughs> he's, and, he's, and he's laid off so he's got
0: the uniform off now he's just wearing sweats
1: <laughs> oh does he have the uniform off that's too bad because i was gonna say like um perhaps the starship enterprise is a bunch of unemployed people um who need some crew to get together with and uh, yeah, there's kind of like a, a weird thing about being alone doing all this stuff. So I hope you find some friends who are also alive. there's a. Uh, yeah, it,
0: it actually almost makes more sense to wear the uniform. You know, now the Starfleet uniform. Yeah. You know, as yeah, they were. I, I'm pretty sure you didn't get paid to be in Starfleet. You just had the opportunity to contribute, which was the exciting part. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Post economic yeah. uh, labor in exploring bold new frontiers
1: Mm -hmm. so and we didn't even talk about the putin interview there
0: you
1: go (laughs) dude we talked about that last time
0: i think we had to pull that putin responding to putin
1: no no this was an interview with Putin, with the real putin so it's like maybe that's the bookend
0: oh holy smokes okay uh yeah i don't know what's going on there so i'm behind on that we'll have to get to it next time um if if you had to sort of like put a pin on today's episode, what's the, what's the thing that you're walking away from differently than, uh,
1: how you walked in? Yeah, I think it was good to work through, um, this overly leveraged, um, capability over overly leveraged individual. Uh, and think about what that means for, for us. Like we're going to be out of a job certainly um and then what do we do when that happens so perhaps it's just about following the shapiro guy uh and then seeing where that leads
0: he's he's blazing a trail for us um follow follow along um man that i'm still feeling bad for that waymo that's just that's the the worst of of, not the worst Uh, obviously there's worse things going on in the world right now um but there's something you know starkly uh, ugly about that scene that's sitting with me a little heavy. I got to be honest. And then I'll throw out that I, I have a feeling that you know, of course, there's AGI and you know the idea of the light cone and everything being able to be inside of one. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of fragmentation and a lot of space for individual jobs that AI can do separately, and individuals who are able to work with those. Um, in their own way, that's I, I don't know why, but my thinking on it is like, okay, it feels less of like a convergence and more of a uh, divergence and more of a fragmentation that may end up happening there, but then usually, I think you're um, so right it's an explosion can be very wrong about this stuff. Have been wrong about it before, so let's see where we are in six months.
1: Yeah, and to yeah, just to quickly reply to that, I think it's an explosion of potential. And that's all these things. All, the reason it's kind of like a bunch of investors is not because there's a solved answer. It's because there's a lot of potential there. Um, and that potential doesn't mean one thing necessarily. It could be a bunch of things. And I think the important thing, like and the thing that's hard about the Waymo piece is that the people working at Waymo have nothing but the best of intentions around like safety and helping people get comfortably where they want to go. So there's like the greatest of intentions on one side. And then the people beating up the Waymo, I don't know what their intentions Mm -hmm. are, but I can kind of like put myself in their shoes and say, their intentions are to like help humans preserve dignity. And so, you know, hopefully with both sides having the best of intentions, we can get to a place where there's more optionality, more potential um, than there was last year.
0: If you haven't read No Bad Parts uh, by Richard Swartz, um, it's that idea that, you know, there is there's no bad parts of us. Even people who've done heinous things, uh, they're still doing it from a place of. Uh, there's a part inside of them that is you know, trying to protect them from a you know previous you know energy or infraction uh, that was made upon them. And so yeah, no bad parts. No bad parts, guys. None, none of us are wrong. We're just sometimes not acting in an appropriate way.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's do better. Okay.
0: Thanks, to everybody, uh, for listening along this time. Hope you learned something. Hope you're able to figure through something on your own. We're all learning in public here. hope you enjoy this space where
1: uh, we can learn in public with you. Until
0: next time.